Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'll pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Eagle Hour on the Super Talk Mississippi Radio Network. We're glad you're with us wherever you're tuned in this afternoon. And if you catch us uh, on some of the podcasts later in the show, we welcome you as well. And thank you for your support of the Eagle Hour. Opening segment of the show is sponsored every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. And we thank them for all they do for Southern Miss Athletics and, of course, the Eagle Hour. Great place to take your family for dinner. Great place to have lunch or to cater your next event. We're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Course Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel today. Everybody back, Kelly and Luke. Uh, Luke and Laurel, Kelly and I here in the First Bank Studio uh, in Hattiesburg. Southern Bank Course Studio. So we're glad to have you with us this afternoon. Welcome to the Eagle Hour Baseball coach Scott Berry joins us every Monday after the Eagles go 2-2 two and two this week. They book in the week, 9-4 win over Southeastern Louisiana, a 9-6 win over UAB. In between, uh, two tough losses, a 10-6 affair to UAB on Friday and 2-3 uh, to three on 3-2 on Saturday. All right, Coach Berry, uh, first of all, I, I do want to tell you congratulations for breaking the record, and I know you're probably – may be tired of hearing people say this to you, but we do want to congratulate you and tell you how happy all of us on the show are for you. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate that. But as you know, you don't do anything alone. There's a lot of people in place that are around you that contribute to every everything that happens in everybody's life that has success. So uh, certainly the players, our, our, our coaches, our administration, our fans, my family, you know, my wife, everybody shares in, in this, and that's exactly how I want it to be. Well, I talked to Hill Denson Friday at length on the show, and uh, he said uh, he was the happiest guy on the planet for you to get the record. And uh, and uh, Coach Denson, when you're, when you're in the company of Coach Denson and Coach Palmer, that's pretty good company, Coach. Well, it's like family to me, and, and I know they would say the same thing uh, as well. We're just all very close and have been for you know, 32 years now that, that I met them uh, in Nashville a long, long time ago. I'd known Hill actually a little longer before Coach Palmer, but we're all like brothers, and, you know, everything that happened with that this year has been bittersweet, certainly, And but I do want, you know, everybody to know that it, it didn't happen alone, and uh, certainly Hill's vision for what he had for this program and where it could go uh, is was the uh, the foundation that everything was built on, and of course, Coach Palmer, and his investment and his alma mater and the love for his program, um, you know, it it says everything itself. So I was very fortunate to be able to to take it and, and uh, build on from what they had had built. You know, Hill, Hill Denson's always real happy, and I think a lot of that has to do with the medication he's on. By <laughs> he, he was happy Friday. He was yeah. a, he was sitting out on a lake. He was having a good time. He did the, he did half the show, Coach Barry, on a lake, sitting on a lake, drinking iced tea. Well, so, 
Oh, I know exactly what lake he was on too. So uh, <laughs> certainly he was he was relaxing. I can assure you, probably eating fried chicken too. Probably and and, so. and I don't want to embarrass you, Coach, um, because we do have baseball to talk about specifically. But you know, you hear about Bill Belichick's coaching tree in football. Look at look at some of these guys that that have coached with and under Scott Barry, right. who have gone on to do, do great things. You know, on their own. I mean, you know, Kaye and and Burroughs and. Federico, and I mean the list just goes on and on. Good for you. Well, we uh, we're all very close, and uh, we all had really great times and spent a lot of hard hard working hours together. So uh, whatever uh, successes they have, certainly uh, I, I'm very proud for them. All right, coach. Let's get to baseball. I heard you say it yesterday. You told me before you uh, went on the air today. You give you're tipping your hat to UAB, and, and I think you have to. Kelly and I were talking before the show. You got to give some credit to UAB. They had a game plan. They hit the ball very well. Uh, they played really hard all weekend, did they not, coach? Golly, I'm telling you, they played extremely hard. You know, they had just gotten swept at Charlotte last last weekend, and. Uh, you know, so I'm sure that they were they were anxious to get back in that win column. They didn't have any midweek game, and that's three weeks in a row that we've played a conference opponent that doesn't have a midweek game, which kind of worries me a little bit, uh, just from the mere fact that uh, you know they're well rested and ready to go, and and certainly that's what UAB was. They were they had a great offensive plan against our guys. You know, our pitchers have thrown really really well this year, and and. Uh, and just their approach and the, and the pitches that they took uh, was pretty impressive what they did this weekend. Coach, it seemed to me that, that our pitchers overall uh, struggled a little bit in getting high pitch counts, two and two, three and two. Struggle is probably not the right word, but more so than we've seen in the past. Well, and I think that was a, just a, uh, you know, of not swinging at pitches out of the zone and you know, a lot of times that our action that our pitchers produce, it's deceptive to those hitters. And for whatever reason, you know, UAB was able to recognize and, and see that ball was going to go out of the zone. It wasn't going to be a strike. And that's why we ran those counts up like we did. And, uh, you know, the first one was Tanner Hall. You know, they took a lot of change-ups. And we've seen a lot of people just swing and miss. And, right. uh, and so, you know, that, that told me right there that, they uh, they were doing something really good. All right. I heard you say something yesterday, too, that really caught my ear. And, and you really kind of called out Danny Lynch and uh, Will McGillis. And you said yesterday, you know, when we've lost two games in a row and we had only gotten three hits the day before, three or four hits, and we were struggling at the plate again, uh, particularly, um, particularly those two guys stood up had some things to say to the baseball team and sort of turn things around. I wanted to hear your comment on that, Coach. Well, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't see Will do it, but I saw Danny pull him up. And Will may have. You know, when, when Danny pulled him up, then I just left, you know, because that's that's important when the players take it from within themselves to to uh, to get things going. And, you know, we, we do enough hollering and yelling and motivating and, and all that. Uh, but, you know, at, when times are really, really tough, you know, sometimes you have to draw from within. That's your strength. And I think that was uh, exhibited yesterday with uh, with Danny and, and being able to pull those guys up, which, coincidentally, he hits a, hits a home run that inning, too. You right. know, a big home run for us, a two-run homer. But, 
uh, you know, I was just proud of, of that point where we've had really, really great leadership on this club. But it's all, you know, it's easy whenever you're winning. But, you know, that leadership, whether it's myself, our coaches, and even the players, it's when, when the losses come into play and, and the attitude changes. And that's when it's so important for something to, to stay stay back, go back to the consistency that, that you've had success at. And I think that's what we were able to see yesterday from Danny's little uh, speech that he gave there in the fourth inning. And then the team really takes over the game and and, and comes back and, and wins in a big way. The loss of Reese Ewing over the weekend, uh, I know you're never going to be one to make excuses, but when you – when you lose a player, the quality of Ewing, and then Slade Wilkes slams into the wall trying uh, to keep a ball in the ballpark, and so he's out. It has some effect when you lose those kind of kids. True? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's your three-and-five-hole hitter in a really, you know, pretty good hit lineup. So we lost we lost Reese last weekend on, on um, after Sunday's game. Actually, Monday's whenever they discovered that. He had a break in his hand, and I didn't discover it until after this show last Monday when I got down to the field. Really? And I got the bad looks, and I said, what's going on? You know, and they said, you ain't broke his hand. Uh, of course, you know, we were out without um, Slade that weekend because of an oblique strain. And, you know, we got him back on Saturday, I think. I don't think he played. Did he play on Friday? I don't think he did Friday, no, sir. No. Well, uh, actually, yeah, he did. He did. did. I'm looking at okay. it right here. He was 0 for 3 on Friday. Okay. So, okay. you know, we were going at his word on Friday that he was going to be able to come back. I don't know if he was 100% at all. He looked pretty good in BP, but, you know, there's a there's a different adrenaline surge that takes place in game game action and, and versus BP that just, just happened. So I, I was hoping that nothing would happen. Well, then on Saturday, obviously, he, he gets a sacrifice fly for us to, to score the second run that Dickerson scored, and that was the last run we scored on Saturday. And in the top or the bottom half of that inning is when he collided in the wall and, and we lose him for that game and also Sunday's game. So, you know, you're back to that same scenario, losing your three and five hole hitters. But, you know, our guys were were able to uh, to pick up, you know, where, where we were uh, absent of those guys on Sunday and, and produce a win. So that's part of sports, man. I'm telling you, it's yep. just it's it's devastating sometimes when it happens, but it's real and it it, it does happen, and it's it's part of it, and it's how you how you move forward from there. So this club will continue to do that until we get these guys back. We're talking to head baseball coach Scott Berry. Golden Eagles ranked seventh in today's D1 and USA Today poll, eighth in perfect game. RPI is still very, very high at 13. But lots of baseball still in front of the Golden Eagles, and it starts pretty quick at South Alabama. We'll get the guys in here with Coach Berry right after the break.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, we're broadcasting from the Southern Bancor Studios, Hattiesburg and Laurel this afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmart and CampusBookmart.net. I want to get right back to Coach Barry. I took up the first segment. Luke, uh, get in here with uh, head baseball coach Scott Barry. Coach, let's go back to uh – Against Southeastern uh, last week for the midweek. Give us uh, your your opinion of Matt Adams. He started that kind of the most he's thrown all season. Six strikeouts, and uh, you know, is he a longer relief option or even a you know another midweek option going forward? Yeah, I think I think both. You know, I think midweek obviously. Uh, I think that's who we're going to probably go to tomorrow night against South Al. Uh, but you know, Matt, it's kind of. Kind of neat story there. He, last time he had pitched was May the eighth, and uh, I think it was against. I think it was against South Alabama here. I believe that first time, and uh, so it had been a long time. Of course, he had he had a little bit of a shoulder impingement that they had been working on that finally got back right. But the last couple of weeks, uh, the guys that haven't pitched uh, any, we usually let them do live at bats against some some of the guys who hadn't been getting any at bats, a lot of the red shirt guys and he has looked really well those last two weeks. So the decision to start him last week and uh was was really uh, was really pretty an easy one, in all honesty, because he had really thrown well uh, in those live at bats. So proud of him. He covered three and two thirds inning an all important midweek game. Uh yeah, he gave up a couple of runs, both earned, but you know, to his credit, six strikeouts, no walks, and five hits, and and really did a phenomenal job. Look at the, uh, you know, with, with Slade and, and Ewing being out, he had to change the lineup some, Charlie Fisher, the DH. But then yesterday, Rodrigo uh, Montenegro in the five hole, which is the highest he's bat, you know, batted all season. And is that just we're going to try to ride the hot hand with the designated hitter slot until Slade Wilkes gets back, back in the lineup? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, just trying to get those who who've had experience and have been successful with it. You know, to play both catchers at the same time because we don't have a third one. Uh, certainly, if if one gets hurt, then you're you know you're gambling uh, pretty heavily there. But you know, I just felt like that yesterday that we had to get get Rodrigo in there. Uh, you know, he he he's come up with some really big hits for us. He's really had some nice at bats. He's drawn some walks. Force and then and of course um, Blake has been catching well. He showed off that arm yesterday. Threw out a couple of guys. One uh, trying to to steal, and then the other one got caught in between. Picked him off. Uh, so he's he's been doing well. Um, kind of unique. McGillis batting seventh. Coach, you ever had anybody with this many home runs so far in the season out of the seven hole? You know, I really don't. I don't know. I mean, I haven't ever researched it. Probably not. I mean, in all honesty, but you know, as as bad as I want to move him up there, he does such great damage down there in that particular part of the order, which is all important when it when that turns over in a game to there. And I believe that it's really paid dividends for us with him in that seven hole. It's gotten him an opportunity to really drive in runs and do things that we need at that at that spot and down towards that lower end. Now, you've still got some heavy lifting to do, Coach, obviously, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. You've still got ODU to play. You've got um, you know UTSA to play, et cetera. But the NCAA can't pull off these regional tournaments, you know, making decisions on hosts on a Monday and calling you and say, hey, can you guys host, like, starting Thursday? 
So with all that being said, has there been any communication from the NCAA as you guys, do you have any inkling or any indication at all that they might be interested in uh, talking to you guys about a regional at this point? Well, nobody, well, nobody has, has said anything to me. I would imagine how the process goes is schools will submit bids for that. So that basically shows the NCAA that you are willing to host and that you have everything in order through the checklist to be prepared if you are uh, if you are selected to host. So I would think that, that that is probably what the process has been. We have submitted a bid uh, and, and certainly uh, wanting to entertain that if, if so be it. So uh, I don't I haven't had any any conversation with NCA myself. Coach, busy week, South Alabama, then Old Dominion. Old Dominion is 29 and 12. I was sitting here looking at the top eight teams in CUSA. You've got three teams with 30 or more wins, ODU with 29 wins, FAU with 28 wins, and Charlotte with 28 wins, uh, UAB with 25, and Middle Tennessee with 22. It's a pretty loaded field if uh, these were the eight teams in the tournament today. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, we still have three series to go and three tough series. ODU is a very offensive club. Of course, their Friday night guy just got pitcher of the week for, for our conference. He's a lefty that's really good. I mean, his his ERA going into La Tech on Friday night was 0.70, and, and he was 4-0. So he's, he certainly is legit. Uh, but their, their lineup, one through nine, they tell me is one of the most potent lineups that you'll see. So we'll have our hands full there. Of course, the next weekend is UTSA, which I feel like might be the hottest team in our league right now, really playing well. Uh, got beat two to one by Middle Tennessee yesterday to avoid. Uh, they, they were they were going to sweep. Uh, Middle Tennessee avoided the sweep, beat them two to one. But uh, UTSA is very offensive as well. I think they've got a couple of really nice arms that, that start for them Friday and Saturday. And of course, then we finish up at Middle Tennessee, who uh, everybody talks about, which we saw them last year. It's the same three. Uh, starters that they had on the weekend last year that are that are there this year and, and even better. So, you know, three tough weeks to go, but you know, tomorrow night is the game that we need to really concentrate on. And and right now we're we're split with uh, South Alabama. We played both times at our place. Them winning the first one in 13 innings, and then we uh, we took the second one. Uh, so you know we need to try to win that series, midweek series tomorrow night down there. Always tough there too. That's a difficult place to play. You told me one time the the one thing you never want to hear when you're at South Alabama is the bags are full of jags. Is that still the case, Coach? Let me tell you before you even said it. I just said it to myself. I knew you were going there with me. I knew you were. Yeah, you don't want to hear that. The bags are full of jags. So. But you know, South Al and, and UAB, UAB in in every sport it seems, and South Al difficult. They're they, just difficult. Yeah, they man. just they always fight. They always they seem fight. to match up well. And uh, and you're talking, of, of course, South Al is going to be a a, a tough game a, and a Sun Belt Conference foe. Yeah. you know, going yeah. forward, right? Yeah, so. right. Well, we had to move that game. You know, we we should have already completed our series with them, but they had a, a really important ba- a basketball game back when this was originally scheduled earlier in the season that they needed to move off that night. So 
will that's why this has moved to uh, to so late uh, in, in our season this year. Coach, are you playing midweek games a little later than normally in the year? It seems like at some point of the year always we, we stop with midweek games, but is this pretty normal to play? Yeah, no. I mean, we've played all the way up to that last week. Honestly. Yeah. I remember in uh, 2015, we played Tulane on the last week of the regular season when we had a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, which is always that last conference series. We played them on Tuesday. So, you know, you can take it all the way up to that last conference weekend or last uh, weekend of the regular season. So uh, the the one week that we're going to be off is going to be our, I think we play South this uh, tomorrow. And then next week uh, we're off because of finals. And then the following week, we'll, no, I think no, we are playing Ole Miss, playing Miss, Ole Miss, Miss on Miss, finals week. That's correct. Right. I, I had to get permission to do that because they're on their way to play LSU. Right. All right, so Coach, that's right. last question for me. When you play a midweek game from the coaching perspective, is your how is your approach to that game different than on the weekend if, if there is a difference? I don't think there's a difference. There's not with me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think you just do. Uh, you know, every game's so important in Division One baseball now. I mean, uh, and our guys know that. We talk about it from the very beginning. That you know, this this isn't a level where everybody gets playing time. This isn't a level where we play double headers and one one. You know, uh, the, the, the 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 team A plays the first game and team B is going to play the second game. Every game is crucial to win at this level. So. I don't think there's anything that that is different in my approach between a midweek and a and a weekend game. Coach, would it surprise you if I told you if the conference tournament were today, your opening opponent would be UAB? No, that would not surprise me. That's usually <laughs> that's usually how it falls. I know that one year we we went out there and played UTSA and, right. and we swept them in San Antonio and. We came back, and that's the first game we played, and we played absolutely dead against them. Right. Uh, I, I remember we, we picked the guy off at first that wasn't even anybody at first. and uh, <laughs> So, no, that would not surprise me. I've seen that scenario not only out of ourselves, but a lot of teams in the league in that conference tournament. Well, I, I hope that doesn't happen because, Bob, you get nervous with teams like UAB and I South I get nervous Al- every time. Well, yeah, that's true. I, I just, it's, it's not, I'm just <laughs> nervous. I don't know what it is. That football game that Fedora and company had a chance to get the major bowl yeah. game and go to UAB and lay right. an egg up there. Right. You know? All right, Coach, always good talking to you. Congratulations again on the record, and uh, we look forward to watching the guys back on the field tomorrow night. All right, fellas, thank you. All right, Bye. Coach Scott Berry, everybody. All-time winningest coach. Southern Miss baseball history. Golden Eagles, seven in the D1 polls, seven in USA Today, eight in perfect game. Baseball America drops the Golden Eagles to 13. RPI is 13. And Kelly Center, would we have taken those numbers at the start of the season here in May? Any team for Southern Miss. Heck yeah, take it and go. Southern Miss to the top. Always want to thank Scott Berry for joining us every Monday. Uh, the three of us really thank the world of him. Always enjoy our conversations uh, with Coach Berry. 
This segment is sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. I'll guarantee you that tomorrow night you can go watch the South Alabama game and have a big shrimp poor boy and a cold PBR, Kelly Center. Yeah, but you just have to make sure you say specifically a shrimp poor boy because with the economy, if you just ask for a poor boy, the manager will come out. You know, so, <laughs> Great so. lunches. Five days a week, nine ninety five. dollars uh, Slade uh, and those guys just – Absolutely fantastic. You know, and Cinco de Mayo is coming up, you know, this this as if as if the guys at Fourth Street need a reason to hoist one, hoist a few. Right. You know, Cinco de Mayo also coming up this right. week. Top ten, according to D one, the top ten baseball teams in America, starting with number one, Tennessee, Oregon State, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Virginia Tech, Southern Miss, UCLA, Texas Tech, and Louisville. That sounds pretty good. Done it to be in May and uh, you can but it, about but, out the top ten, and there you are. But is Southern Miss the the? Could it be that Southern Miss is the only Mississippi school in that group? I'm, I've double and triple checked, and I can't find any other schools in don't, any poll. Don't, don't talk to our friends on Eagle Post because the season's over. Because we lost two. Yeah, it is. But, you know, and much to my surprise, after reading some of those posts, the sun came up this morning. It is amazing how that works. Isn't it? We lost three games in the month of April, y'all. Right. Three. Right. We've lost. We've won 16 out of the last 18. Right. Breathe. Just right. breathe. It's no good question. for the body. All right, so if the tournament were today, guys, you'd have USMUAB, UTSA, Charlotte, Louisiana Tech playing Old Dominion, Florida Atlantic playing Middle Tennessee. i, I got to be honest, uh, Kelly. I didn't realize how well Conference USA teams are doing. You can go down You can go down three teams, 32 – well, Southern Miss, 34 wins, two teams with 30 wins, one with 29, one with 28, two with 28, I'm sorry, one with 25, and one with 22. And really, when it comes to the major sports, you know, no disrespect to to the ones that aren't the major sports, but Conference USA has always been decent in baseball. It's just a shame that there are other sports teams, you know, in football and basketball. It's always been the lead sport for Conference USA. It has, but now Southern Miss is not going to give up a whole lot, if anything. By going, you know, to the Sun Belt when you look no. at some of those teams, including Texas State and no. Georgia Southern's ranked, you know, nationally and South Al, who we always have trouble with anyway. Yeah. But but again, only eight teams are going to make the tournament. But two of those teams, well, actually three, Southern Miss still has to play in a weekend series. Correct. Oh yeah, it's, it's not over. And, and Luke Scott's never gonna never gonna use this as an excuse. But Kelly and I were talking about this before we came on today. Kelly talked a lot earlier this year about how injury-free the team had been and how important that is. And his his words were just shown to be true this weekend. When you lose Reese Ewing, and then you lose – and Slade Wilkes was not 100% when he played Friday night, and then he gets hurt again Saturday. I don't care what you say. That, that disrupts your chemistry, and uh, that's uh, two big holes right there in your lineup. Been extremely fortunate not to have any issues, you know, with the pitching staff since that's – the strength of this team, but the question I ask, you know, he was just trying to move around, giving Charlie Fisher an opportunity to seize that. Fisher last year was the all-conference, uh, you know, first-team designated hitter in preseason that way. He went one for five um, Friday with an RBI and a run and a hit, but Wilkes comes back in. And then yesterday, you know, Montenegro, Rodrigo gets uh, – it's the you know the highest part in the in the batting order that he's had all year, and they're just they're trying to find people to put the ball into play, and you know Fish really didn't help his uh, his going forward. No. He, he struck out several times Friday, and that that's been the part of it. And then when you put Faust in, he made you know a costly error that allowed two runs. 
So it's kind of been you with Wilkes. He's he you sacrificed uh, you know the glove because that's where his struggles were, and you got the bat. And it seems as if this weekend was kind of you pitched. You didn't pitch well Friday. You hit. You pitched better on Saturday. You didn't hit. And then what really bothered me yesterday was you go you you put a five spot, you know, in late in the game. You shouldn't have to put a five spot in order to to close a game out. Because UAB was hitting, they were swinging and hacking to their final strike. Um, right. I just hope that that other teams don't see what that approach was, and maybe it was just the you know a really good matchup for the UAB offense. But they figured something out against a pitching staff that's been dominant all There's year. There's no question, and, uh, and and Scott made a great point about this. The pitch counts got high a lot which we have not seen that. We've just been bombing the strike zone. But these guys were not swinging at bad pitchers. They were not getting fooled like we've seen some of the other teams do. And, Kelly, sometimes you just have to give credit to your opponent. UAB just came ready. They did, uh, especially. And, and that's a good, you know, when you have a nice slice of humble pie by going to Charlotte and getting whooped, Although, you know, Luke is our numbers guy, and I think he's going to tell us about how Charlotte and UTSA you know, let's take the Eagles aside. We know how good Southern Miss is, how good the Eagles are. But UTSA and Charlotte are probably the two hottest teams right now. But, man, when you have a nice slice of humble pie like that and come home and have an opportunity, you know, the David Goliath story, they, they made the most of it. What's interesting to me, and going back to the pitch count, so Hall throws 81 pitches in five innings. Riggins throws 110 pitches in six innings. And Waldrop throws 99 pitches in six innings. Now, here's the interesting part. Hall only walked one batter. Riggins walked two. Waldrop walked two. So all of those pitches are getting base hits late in the count. They weren't walking guys while the pitch count got drove up. But it was, as Coach said, they were not chasing what you know other teams have chased. They weren't chasing Waldrop's uh, slider. They weren't chasing the changeup from Tanner Hall. And so... That's that's the part about it when you're not getting those things. I thought that was really telling. I would expect the pitch count that high to be, you know, maybe four or five walk material, but it was just they were getting hit later in the count. And here's something here's something that you tell little kids, you know, when you're coaching in baseball. Kids think that the only way they can have a good at bat or a good A B is if they get a hit. If it's if it's in the score if it's in the scorebook as a hit. That's not the case at all. A good at bat. All right, even if you don't reach base, if you go up there and burn eight or nine pitches right. on that pitcher, put three or four of them, you know, foul them out of play, or you're wearing that pitcher down, and, and sometimes my little leaguers, I'll come back and I'll say, I know you didn't get on base, but that was a really good at bat. Kids don't understand that, but in the team concept, and that's that's what UAB was doing. They even did a when lot they, of that. Yeah, even when they were not on base, they had a lot of good at bats against the Eagles. You're serving. You're serving the guys, you know, behind you, and you're working that pitch count up. Right. All right. Over the weekend, UAB takes two or three from Southern Miss. Charlotte sweeps Marshall. Louisiana Tech takes two out of three from Old Dominion. FAU defeats FIU, takes two out of three from them. UTSA wins two out of three against Middle Tennessee on the road. And then Rice takes two out of three at Western Kentucky. So the updated Conference USA standings as of um, this morning, Southern Miss with a three-game lead, 17-4, and three-game lead over UTSA and Louisiana Tech, who are 14-7. and Florida Atlantic, 13-8, and all by themselves in third place. Middle Tennessee, 12-9. and 
Old Dominion and Charlotte tied at 11 and 10, and then UAB 10 and 11. Marshall Rice, Western Kentucky, FIU on the outside looking in. Here's where it gets interesting. So when you look at how those could change, because right now, as Bob said, UAB would be the eight seed. But when you look at who UAB has um, coming up specifically, this is going to change. And the reason being is UAB has Western Kentucky this weekend. They will probably take that series, possibly sweep. Then they've got FIU, which they're going to get two or three more wins. They end at UTSA. So you look at that and you say they're going to get four more wins. They might go four and four. Or four and five, they may go. Uh, you know, they could they could get six wins yes, out of this. That's so they're going to move up. Old Dominion, um, on the other hand, depending on what they do here with the Eagles, they are Marshall at home, which they'll sweep, and they're at Western Kentucky. So Old Dominion, um, if they were to win the series this weekend, they're going to go like way up. All of this is so volatile when you look at what some of these other teams have. One more example. With uh, I get one more pulled up here with Charlotte. So Charlotte right now in seventh. Okay, they've got at FAU. There they've got Tech at home and they've got Rice at home. So looking at that, Charlotte is probably the team that is going to determine what goes on because that's two of three of those are toss-ups. Everybody else, you know they're probably going to win two or maybe all three series. So Southern Miss, you you could look up, and if the Eagles were to win the regular season, they might be playing Charlotte. They might be playing Middle Tennessee. They could possibly be playing Old Dominion again. And what scares you guys is that all of those teams, except Florida Atlantic, in the top eight, are in the top 80 in RPI right now, three of which are in the top 50. Well, you don't want to face Old Dominion because of that one stud pitcher they've got who's got an ERA comparable to my grade point Crazy. in college. Correct. Zero Lake Morgan, 0.59 now. Ah. He became a starter on April the 8th, and in his last four starts over this last month, he has not allowed a single run. Earned or unearned. You think he'll that's play the Eagles this weekend? Will face Friday. <laughs> you think he'll play this weekend, Kelly? Boy, you know, and you, him against Tanner Hall. Yeah. If, if that right, isn't so a marquee matchup, nine conference games left. Golden Eagles have a three-game lead, but they play the number two team, UTSA. They play Old Dominion, and they play Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee. So, still, a, lot of, a lot of baseball. Still got and hard work ahead of them as well. Yeah. Last segment next. Stay with us. To the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Luke, Bob, and Kelly on this Monday. Fourth segment, as always, brought to you by DBAT and D1 Training Summer. Going to be in the 90s this week. A lot of baseball and softball rec leagues going on across the Pine Belt. 
everything you need at DBAT and D1 training. Congratulations to Southern Miss women's golfer uh, Elena Melich is the Conference USA Co-Freshman of the Year. She appeared in all 10 tournaments, averaged 75 per round, and this is the second year in a row that Southern Miss has had the Freshman of the Year in Conference USA, so congratulations. Softball wins a series at home against Western Kentucky. Uh, the Lady Eagles defeated the Lady Hilltoppers 4-3 to in both the Friday and Saturday games, and then lost yesterday 0-4. Coach LeVan's team improves to 9-12, and 29-20 overall. They will take on Louisiana Tech this coming weekend. And then the Conference USA Tournament will be May the 11th through the 14th out in Denton, Texas. Additionally, the uh, Southern Miss track and field team wrapped up their regular season with a strong performance at the Maroon and White Invitational in Starkville, Mississippi. Fred Mudani won again in the shot putt. Corville Todd finished second in the high jump. Trinity Benson and Kenai Seals uh, both had outstanding performances. The Eagles track team will take the weekend off. Then uh, next weekend, they will head out to San Antonio for the Conference USA Championships, and then the NCAAs will be later this month. All right, I mentioned RPI. Southern Miss right now 13th. This is all Warren Nolan RPI. Southern Miss 13th, Louisiana Tech 41, UTSA 44, Middle Tennessee 57, Old Dominion 62, UAB 74, and Charlotte 79. Interesting, FAU, even though they're pretty high up in the conference, they are 112 in RPI. And, Luke, you had a chance to uh, to cover a youngster who went to the school in Starkville, but um, he's a Mississippi kid that was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday night. He's going to be a Seattle Seahawk. Tell us more about the you know about the story of Charles Cross. Yeah, I remember when Charles Cross was a freshman and uh, a bunch of my buddies were coaching at Laurel High School, Todd Breland, of course, the head coach. And, you know, Cross at that time, he's probably 6'4", but, he, man, he was, he was lanky. Had a frame. Uh, probably about 240 and, and gained a little more weight. But I, even when he was a senior, you know, and he actually got bumped, uh, I think some recruiting services had him as a five-star. Um, that frame went up a little bit. He's about 6'5", about 275. Uh, went to Starkville and put on a lot of weight. And uh, his feet were always extremely good. So we were sitting there, you know, on the couch Thursday night. And a ninth overall, Charles Cross from Laurel, Mississippi, is going to the Seattle Seahawks. And uh, I know you know his family is uh, so so happy, and many of us in Laurel who watched him, and of course here at WLAU we covered that young man every Friday night covering the Laurel Golden Tornadoes and and other Jones County teams, and it's just so cool to see a local kid go that high. Um, we actually did some research, and this was what was pretty interesting. And this I, I called Bob about this the other day. Jason Campbell, of course, was born in Laurel. And uh, so he went in the 2005 draft to Bob's former team, the Washington Redskins, now that Bob's a uh, New Orleans Saints. That's why I use former. Um, but we were, we were wondering, had there been anybody else local that had gone that high? So Jason Campbell went um, 25th overall. Charles Cross now going 9th overall. But, uh, Bob Getty, you were surprised when I told you this the other day. This comes from our friend Del McKee and in uh, in Wayne County, Lowell too, who was actually a practicing lawyer in Laurel for many many years, born in Waynesboro, Mississippi, in 1927, was taken 
fourth overall in the 1948 NFL draft by who, Bob? The Washington, the Washington Redskins. <laughs> the Washington cool. Redskins, Kelly Sander. You know, it was interesting about that, that draft over the weekend, too, and I think it's the first time since 1938 it's happened. But not one player from the University of Texas. Really? Not, not that's one. That's correct. Now, with mm-hmm. all the resources that school it's has. The, it's the richest athletic program in the country. With, with the fertile recruiting ground that it has, with the entire state of Texas, to not have one. I'm not talking first-round picks. I'm talking ever. Nobody, uh, not one University of Texas player was drafted. I thought they were back, year. though. I, th- I really thought. <laughs> yeah, they say that every year, right? That they, that right. they hire. Were you happy coach. with the Bengals, Kelly? Were you happy with who the Bengals got? Um, generally, I mean, they needed. What I'm proud of is they they took everybody on the the they addressed the defense in the draft. They addressed the offensive line through free agency. Yeah. Um, what I what I, but here's here's what I think you guys also will like about the Bengals' particular picks. Five of their picks. And I think they only had six this year. They traded out of one of them. But five of their six picks were team captains. That's cool. At their go. respective schools. Here, here, here was the most astonishing pick. So one of the Bucks picks was born six days after Tom Brady was drafted. <laughs> That's a great stat there. That's a great stat. You know, he's coming back, Kelly. He's going to play again. Yeah, because year. he has assurances from the officials that nobody can even blow oh, or, or look at him funny. If they Here even look go. at him funny, there will be a go. flag thrown. All right, I want know? to thank Scott Berry for coming on the show. Got to give away tickets tomorrow. We're going to have a pair of tickets to the Old Dominion Series and the Ole Miss game. Formerly ranked number one, we're, now unranked. These are free? We're giving these? We're giving these away wow. tomorrow. And that's a sellout, too, out. man. Yeah, People might right. sell that on the black market. All right. Well, that'll be up to them once they pick them up. Black and gold market. Black and gold <laughs> <laughs> Southern Miss. <laughs> to the, to the top. top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.